Welcome everybody, I'm your host, Brian, the Hype, Ballard, and I'm back at it again with Forbidden Door 2023. It was part two of the cross promotion, the Forbidden Door opening when it does once a year. We've got the American Dragon versus the Rainmaker, Okada, Danielson. That's going to be your main event, but no. Let's not just start there. Let's talk about what stole the show. Let's talk about that undercard. Let's talk about the whole thing. Let's get in. All right, so a little quick news on this one. Adam Cole was supposed to fight filthy Tom Lawler, but that is not going to happen. Unfortunately, Adam Cole was pulled from the show. A victory. A moral victory going to Filthy Tom Lawler. But we're going to ask him to leave the Forbidden Door and get off the pay-per-view because that match did not happen tonight. So let's go with what actually did happen. What we got into. Hiroshi Tanahashi. You remember him. He's the Bret Hart of New Japan Pro Wrestling versus the best heel in AEW and possibly in the modern era. MJF, Maxwell, Jacob Freeman, Mr. Diamond Ring himself. Defending his AEW championship in the opening match of a pay-per-view. I'm not gonna do what you think I'm gonna do. I'm not gonna freak out. I did that on our other show. But I've had a little time to cool off. So for the second pay-per-view in a row, ladies and gentlemen, our world champion will not be featured in the main event. Not going to freak out. Let's go ahead and talk about how cool this match was. MJF comes out. It's the little things with MJF. The wearing on his robe. That New Japan is an indie promotion. It's the extra effort. It's the plus and A-plus player that he puts in there. They start out circling a collar and an elbow, and Natasha Tanahashi shoves Freeman. He falls to the apron, stumbling while Ace plays the air guitar. Front kick, Max with a little air guitar of his own. Hiroshi shoves him out of the ring, and MJF decides he'd rather take a walk than for the 1-100. Ace leads the crowd into a chanting coward at him. Freeman walks back to the ring, as we would expect. Terminator is saying that he's not a coward, and he offers a handshake and sportsmanship. Tanahashi shakes his hand, and he catches the kick. There's a palm strike. MJF crumbles down in the corner, and he pulls referee Bryce Rittenberg in front of him, and then cheap shots Tanahashi like a great heel should. 
There's shoulder thrust, there's a bear hug. Hiroshi with elbows, but he runs right into, I believe it's the knee lift, the kitchen sink. There's a cobra twist that was applied, and the hands to the ropes, and it just isn't working. At this point, we go a little bit further. Off the second rope, there's a somersault senton. Cover for a one and a two. Jockeying for position. In the turnbuckles, Tanahashi's perching. He's diving with a crossbody. Connects, whips to the corner. There's a flip, and Hiroshi catches him with a military press out of the corner. There's a sling blade. It connects. Still no, not enough. Up top, Max. Max is fighting. MJF, he crotches him on the ropes. MJF hits a superplex but is slow to capitalize on it. Looking for a heat seeker, Tanahashi shoves him aside. He's back inside with some underhooks. And then we got a little bit of a knee injury going on with MJF. As Tanahashi just kicks out. MJF's talking crap at him like usual. He's calling him a joke. He's just really just being a jerk. Boot to the face. There's a pie face, an ace up, fire up, and another pie face. Back to his feet again. Go ace. Chance. Go up. And he wants more from Freeman. There's a poke to the eye. MJ flips then off the crowd and charges in on Tanahashi. Catches him with a dragon screw. Maple Leaf is applied in the middle of the ring, but MJF gets to the rope, struggling with his knees, twisting and shouting and banging. And then, then another sling blade. Hiroshi Tanahashi goes up and knees is up with a flying elbow, but MJF is screaming in agony too. MJF goes and gets the title. Rimsburg, referee Bryce Rimsburg takes it away from him. Tanahashi with a schoolboy for about a 10 count, but he's too busy to actually make the count. The referee then in the corner, cheap shot with the diamond, dynamite ring, pow, right to the kisser. And MJF wins by pinfall with the loaded power of the punch to retain the AEW Championship. Overall initial thought, very good opening match. It was methodical. It did the little things like I said that MJF does during a match to be a good heel. He even uses an abdominal stretch at one point, which was Antonio Inoki's famous Japanese stars finishing so I like this old school vibe of putting the heel over match. I like the old school MJF style. And I tell you what, the right man won here. He got to beat a Japanese legend in Tanahashi. And it's going to be great for the EW by him getting this win for the pin. Let's move on to our next matchup. And our next matchup is going to kick off or continue with the Owen Hart Foundation men's tournament. So we're going to get this broken down. It's got CM Punk versus Kojima tonight at Forbidden Door. Then we have Roderick Strong and Samoa Joe at Collision. Dustin Rhodes and Powerhouse Hobbs at Collision. And then we also have Juice Robinson versus Ricky Starks at Collision. So what's going to happen here is CM Punk versus Kojima. And Punk comes out to a mixed a little bit of, we got Punk chance during the match, but he really comes out to a lot of booze. And he plays right into it like the professional he is. I want to say that CM Punk is doing a lot of great work right now. He's making TV interesting. He's not in the main event. He's staying away from the people he needs to stay away from. But he is drawing interest and 
right now, Collision's had two solid weeks of shows, and I'd like to see more. So this is going to be the first round, Kojima versus Punk. Punk comes out, they circle and cover, they start out, there's a side headlock in the corner, Kojima hits him with some elbows, there's a hip toss, a shoulder block, he trades some pop pecking moments of love between Kojima and Punk, trading peck pops, doing one of back and forth. Then we get a double axe handle to the floor. I love the double axe handle, it's one of my favorite old school moves. Punk then chops with a barricade up against American. Satoshi turns him around and throws him into his own chops. So we get a lot of chopping going on. Sends CM Punk over the barricade entirely this time. And on the apron, Kojima takes his legs out from under him and he's getting fired up. Satoshi with right hands. Punk throws a leg lariat. Scooping a slam, Punk cupping his ear. And he's doing the Hawk Hogan impression in the ring. And then he drops the leg drop, brother. Kojima's back in the backs him up in the corner. Punk turns him around with the kick into the mountain punches, deciding with what what on a leg rather than chop. We get some corner lariats. Punk is taunting him. He's playing almost a semi-heel role in Canada tonight. Satoshi turns him around for the machine gun chops. Right to the chest. And then up. He gets an elbow right on the target. Punk kicks out. There's an anaconda vice. Kojima punches the back of his head on his, to get out of it. CM Punk calls for Mongolian chops. The fireman's carry Satoshi out with the elbows and hits the Mongolian chops of his own. He's dishing up a meal of pain. Cozy Cutter throwing through the elbow sleeve off Punk. He ducks the lariat. It's a swinging neck breaker. Chops, elbows, a fireman carry walking around the ring. There's a go to sleep countered into a punch. To the face with a brain buster, but Punk won't stay down. He just won't stop fighting. Duck in the lariat. There's a roundhouse and a go-to-sleep, a GTS. But it connects, and CM Punk wins by pinfall with the one, the two, and the three. And after the match, there is Punk doing a couple push-ups in the ring, but then he goes over in some sportsmanship with Kojima, raises him to his feet, and the crowd actually is doing okay with this. Really good um, second match. It did what it needed to do. And this has uh, been a while since, you know, we've seen Punk wrestle. I mean, we've seen him on Collision recently. But, you know, it's been gone for a while. So he's starting to get back into the shape and the wind of things. And I like where uh, they've got him in this Owen Hart tournament. I think it's great that he's doing it right in Canada as well. And um, I think it's great that Punk is right where he is right now. He's going to be drawing people initially. We don't need him in a main program, but I like him winning the Owen Hart Cup. All right, so then we go to a fatal four-way with our Atlantic champion, or sorry, our international champion, Orange Cassidy, versus Daniel Garcia, versus Shibata, and versus Zack Sabre Jr. I like Zack Sabre Jr. I've always enjoyed his work. He's a good wrestler. Um, all these guys can go in their styles. They just got to showcase their styles in this match a lot. Um, they all squared up. They all kind of circled. They all kind of just got to showcase their skills overall. But ultimately what we're seeing here is a pretty short match. And we do end up with um, Orange Cassidy getting the advantage here at the end. So, kind of fast forward a little bit in here. We get 
um, some hesitation with some drop kicks and Cassidy stalking Shibata from behind at one point. Kawada kicks from the wrestler. Orange off the top ropes. Orange punch. His arm is hurting. And then with an orange punch of his own, Shibata hits. Cassidy gets a beach break after, but nope. And then Zack Sabre Jr. is in. He's stomping with the orange's arm. There's a mousetrap that's countered, a hybrid octopus. An ode to Jim breaks. Garcia breaks it up. There's a pile driver. There's a stunt dog millionaire that's blocked. And then Zack Sabre Jr. is on the back of Cassidy. And he returns to the ring. He nails Zack Sabre Jr. with a kick, but he won't break the hole. There's a sleeper applied. Zack flags. The boot sends Garcia to the floor. They duck the penalty kick. And in the European clutch, Shibata kicks out. Another European clutch. Garcia breaks it. Daniel with a palm strike. Zap Sabre charges in. Caught with a backslide only for a one and a two. Pile driver. But Shibata hits with the kick again. So the penalty kick again, and Orange steals it. Orange Cassidy wins by pinfall in this one with the mousetrap on Daniel Garcia to retain the AEW International Championship. Post-match, we do get a little bit of a Shibata and Cassidy having a moment of good sportsmanship to show that there's no hard feelings about this great competition. I thought it was a great way to end, and I've noticed the good sportsmanship vibe in these first couple matches, and I'm okay with that. I think it's kind of, you got to show a little bit of this cross-promotion stuff. But again, Orange Cassidy is the winner of this one, as I predicted. Um, I believe that Orange did need to be the winner here and continue on with what he's doing with this title. He's a demographic. He's a draw. All right, moving on. We've got Jungle Boy Jack Perry. You remember him. Jungle Boy Jack Perry with his new buddy Hook taking on Sonata. I like the build-up to this one. Sonata saying he didn't even know who Jack Perry was. Jack Perry saying he's never even watched a Sonata match. I like that New Japan got to feature their world heavyweight IWGP champion. I like that Jack Perry got a little bit of a rub here. So what's going on in this match is they get a little small, short interaction back and forth. Sonata's fighting on Perry. They let him squirt for a little bit before breaking with a drop kick for a two count. Jungle Boy gets fired up. He underhooks. He ducks a Leary. Super kick connects. Jack with a Leary and underhooks. There's a Tiger Driver. But Sonata's not staying down. He's not going out on losing his title tonight. Sonata swings him. He gets it. But Perry counters to a pin. There's a Leapfrog and a Poison Frankensteiner for the champion. A Shining Wizard follows it. Nope. Up top, Sonata then hits a moonsault and gets the one, the two, and the three. Sonata is still your new Japan champion very quickly. But the real story happens after the match. And I gotta say, Taz did a really good job of this on the microphone, selling the angle here where Hook was betrayed by Jack Perry. And he actually, I believe, he throws the FTW title at him. He betrays him, and this makes it interesting. Jack Perry being a heel gives his character new dynamic. And his heel turn reminded me a lot of Christian Cage-like. So what does this mean going out from here? Could this be a one-on-one feud? Absolutely. This feud could be a one-on-one feud. This also could be a 
eventually Jack Perry teaming back up with Luchasaurus, but under a heel persona managed by Christian. There were some Christian vibes to this heel turn tonight. I don't think we see that for a while, but I do think it could come. Which then could cause Hook to maybe reunite Team Taz on a certain level. And we have a great tag team matchup here. Just my thoughts. Let's move on. And move on we shall. We've got the Black Cool Cool Combat Club with Shota Umino, Konosuke Takashita versus the Elite Eddie Kingston and Ishii. This matchup was kind of all over the place. Um, we get a lot of dissension with Eddie Kingston trying to make the decision of what he should do. But what we get is a lot of chaos in the ring. It was a 10-man tag match. Um, I thought it did a decent job of kind of just, you know, it was well-placed on the card. So on this one, I'm going to just zip ahead a little bit. And then we get, actually, after all the chaos and all the craziness, the end result, we're going to get, fast forward to Mox and um, Shooter hit a heart attack on Claudio. He follows up with a giant swing. Yuta is up with the cover. Everybody breaks it up. Casanoli is up overhead. Wheeler wants the rocket launcher, but Nick Jackson breaks it up. There's a tag to Ishii. There's a point in this match where I thought Ishii was severely knocked out. I actually was a little bit worried about him at one point. Um, so they hit a suplex, but no, it's just not enough yet. It's just not that time. So Ishii hits the suplex, but nothing. Eddie's in. He and Ishii sandwich Yuta with lariats and kicks. Kingston is busy with Claudia. Wheeler with an Olympic slam for the two. And then the match is breaking down again. Moxley with an ace crusher on Kingston. Super kicks from the Bucks for him. For Yuta again. He dives. Hangman is in position, but Wheeler ducks and superlapses him. Ishii um, with a lariat. Another lariat. And Eddie Kingston, the Hung Bucks, and Ishii win by pinfall with a vertical drop brainbuster on Ishii on Wheeler Yuta. Wheeler Yuta taking the pin here. After the match, we get some arguments between Eddie and the Bucks as they're winning. But, like I said, it was kind of a hard one to keep up with. Um, I don't think it was a bad match. I think it was well placed. I'd say it's about three out of five. Uh, but ultimately... You know, it was a chance for us to think about something different before we get into our next thing. And, you know, if you guys are thinking about something different, check us out over at fansofprowrestling.com and the Wrestling Fans Inside Podcast. We record every Sunday, and myself and the team, Carlos, Will, Heather, John, we do some great weekly recaps over there on the channel. And I just want to say again, thank you to those guys for making wrestling great. Also, um, shout out to our friends over at Mooncutters. We just did some really good work where Carlos and I tag team and invaded a little bit. We went into uh, some Money in the Bank predictions. So, you know, I'll get you guys some links for that in the future here. Let's get it back in. So we've got our Forbidden Door Women's Championship matchup. This is Tony Storm defending against Willow Nightingale. Willow Nightingale's been a little bit of a run in Japan recently. They start off strong, locking Storm up and taking her down, forcing her to bail to the floor for a quick breather and a breath. Back inside, Tony is controlled with a little help from her partners, the Outcasts, working on Willow Nightingale, keeping her off balance with a snap suplex for a one and a two. 
Willow with a hip attack and a super kick. Tony with the apron. Stutter over the ropes. Nightingale with a fireman's carry. A Death Valley driver on the apron. Ow. Willow with another Death Valley driver in the ring. She goes up, gets distracted, but the referee is finding the spray paint and ejecting the outcast from the ring. Storm is thinking about the Storm Zero. She reverses it into a Rana for a pin, a one, and a two. There's a big lariat up on the second. Nobody home for the moonsault. A corner hip attack, a spike DDT, and still no, not nothing, not nada. Off the ropes, Willow catches her on the spine buster. An inverted Indian death lock. Trading chops on the hold. They're breaking away. There's a pounce that sends Storm out of the ring. Back inside, there's a hip attack. There's a corner lariat. Their straps are down, and Tony pulls the referee in the way and gouges the eyes. Tony Storm wins by pinfall with the Storm Zero retaining the AEW Women's World Championship. We see in the back sky blue on the monitors backstage and Dr. Britt Baker, DMD, watching from a distance. I like the setup. I like the win by Tony Storm. We need to get her some credible wins. We need to get her some wins. We need the outcast to have some wins and just kind of run wild with this title. They decided to take this off with Jamie Hayter. We gotta be sipping that haterade. Britt Baker's sipping it. Trying to get some revenge on Tony and the Outcast, but how will she do it? Can she do it by herself? Is Sky Blue enough? We're gonna find out on the upcoming shows of Dynamite. But this wasn't a bad match. It was well placed and it was a nice precursor to just move the story right along without overstaying its welcome, as I say. Let's get on, not overstay our welcome there. And let's talk about the match of the night. Kenny Omega, the cleaner. Kenny the collector. Kenny Omega tribe. Can I say enough cool words about this guy? And then we got Will Osprey, New Japan legend. He is the IWGP United States Heavyweight Championship. That's going to be on the line. That's held by Kenny Omega. In this matchup, Will Ospreay wants that title. These guys, I hate the term banger, but I'm going to use it here. The forbidden door didn't get just opened. It got kicked down with these two tonight. Matches like this and a few others is what makes these kind of shows special. I'm going to talk a little about this one. This was a rematch from the Wrestle Kingdom showdown. I want to review that in the future. But Circle Collar, as most of these matches have been starting out, Osprey with an arm ringer, Omega reverse roll to the side, Kenny, there's a headlock, Kenny steps through, there's an elbow to the elbow, a wrist lock, a snap mirror to the reverse chin lock, neck breaker, shoulder breaker, into a hammer lock, and then Omega through a headlock takeover. Same exchanges, but they go in a whole different back and forth, back and forth, faster and faster. There's a headstand escape, chops in the corner, hard whip, a boot, electric chair is blocked. There's an Oscar that's denied, a dragon suplex. Osprey lands on his feet. There's a deep arm drag, ducks the roundhouse kick. They're looking equal. They're looking even. They're looking ready to go again. Osprey with a thumb in the eye. Chops in the corner. Frankenstein, you cannot escape. A Finley roll into the moonsault. No, it's just not enough. 
Don Callis gets involved. He trips Omega up and gets ejected by referee Paul Turner. Osprey dives on Kenny, putting him in the bicep first to the post. Osprey in the corner. There's a big brain buster, a cobra twist, whip across the duck in the lariat, a basement drop kick, and a Katoro crusher connects. Kicks to the ribs, a cover for a one and a two. Hanging in the ropes. The shooting star press off the rope to the apron, the os cutter on the apron. These guys are just having a heck of a back and forth matchup. I like the fact that Don Callis was present. Don Callis got involved early and Don Callis got gone. Just enough to say he's there and annoying, but it didn't get in the way of greatness that this match was between these two. Fast forward a little bit in this one. Kenny basically goes and gets hit with his own V-trigger. Osman grabs a Canadian flag at this point in the match from the crowd and wipes and just rubs it between his legs. Very disrespectful of the Canadian flag with it. Kind of reminds me of uh, Shawn Michaels blowing his nose with some of the Canadian flag years ago. Omega had enough and he blasts him, choking with him with the flag of his own people and then hits him a few times with it then choking him, dangling him off the ropes with the maple leaf. Omega returns with the flag to the crowd and blasts Osprey with the V-trigger against the barricade, smashing Osprey into the steel steps. Referee begging him to take the action back in the ring, and we see Osprey is busted open, and he's pouring blood from his forehead badly. At this point, there's a DDT into the diamond plate. Back inside, there's mounted punches. Osprey failing to get the guard, and he has no choice but to hunch up. Omega takes his back with the body scissors. Overhead elbows, looking for the cross arm bar, wrenching his fingers back, trading German suplexes. Will Osprey gets a second blood staining to the mat. Dragon suplex blocked with a headbutt, a V trigger in the ropes, running a Spanish fly, and Omega just kicks out. Osprey grabs a sharpshooter in the middle of the ring and Canada. Blood is pouring down his face. Kenny is crawling. But Will Osprey drags him back to the center of the ring like a good heel should. Osprey then shifts gears, arm trap, crossface, Omega nearly has the ropes and will adjust and wrenches and holds in and changing gears again. There's that kicks to the wound interrupting each cycle. Kenny takes him out mid-air with a knee strike. He's got a little room to breathe. These guys are going back and forth. There's some points where they didn't get. We get some V-triggers during this match. We get a Liger Bomb. We get a nice spot in the middle of the match with a Liger Bomb. We get the Oscutter, Cutter, which does connect. We get a pin, but it's still not enough. We get a Stormbreaker. We get on to this match. More V-triggers back and forth, back and forth, faster and faster. And then we move ahead. And then we get a one-winged angel that connects, but Kenny kicks out of his own move. Trading forearms, there's a V-trigger that gets a crescent kick, a brain buster connects, electric chair. We get another, I believe it's a wrath that cannot seal the deal. There's a V-trigger in the ropes, electric chair will reverses it, a stormbreaker, Kenny slips out, a ripcord countered with a hidden blade. Underhooks, there's a tiger driver 91 that got a lot of controversy from the fans. But Kenny Omega kicks out. 
I have no issue with this, these guys using the Tiger Driver 91. I'm just going to say it for the record. They are professionals. They obviously have wrestled before. They are familiar with each other, and they trust each other in this move. That's where I stand on the big Twitter controversy about the Tiger Driver 91. All right, so at this point, we get some underhooks, and then there is a pinfall with the Stormbreaker by Will Ospreay. One, two, three, becoming the new IWGP United States Heavyweight Champion of the World. Yeah, guys, five-star match. No, let me scratch that. It's a five-diamond match. It's going to be one of my very few that I give for the whole year. A five-diamond match from Brian the Hype Allen. That's how good it was, guys. Let's move on. We still got a main event in this one. We get the next match before that main event. We got Sting, Darby Allen, and Naito versus the Leisezuki Gods. This matchup was quick, effective, to the point. And as I said, it didn't overstay its welcome. But the guys just kind of made sure they worked through what they needed to and told the stories they wanted to tell. We get a lot of mixed tag at trios match action, as you would expect. We get Darby. We get Suzuki. We get, you know, some posing by Jericho and company in the ring. We get a um, really cool spot with Sammy Guevara on the outside on a table with Sting. But you know what? It just was not enough. We move ahead. We get Sting out on the outside to the barricade. Jericho is under the ring and he basically gets a table. This is exactly where that 630 splash happened that I mentioned. And then... At this point, we get Naito with strikes. Knees up on the Lion Salt, charged in the Destiny Block, and then a double into the walls of Jericho. Sting is back up, and he puts the Scorpion Deathlock on Jericho. Suzuki catches him with a sleeper hole. There's a Gotch Pile Driver, denied by Naito. Co-Baker from Chris Jericho, but it's just not enough. Suzuki with a boot. Sleeper drags Tetsuya to his feet, and Sting comes in for an assist, clubbing away with Noru. The Manhattan drop into the lair and Naito capitalizes. And here's what we get. A rolling press from Naito on Suzuki. Darby Allen, Sting, and Suzuki. Or excuse me, Naito are your winners in this one. Post-match, Jericho attacks Naito with the bat. Sting runs him off. And here's the thing that I kind of... The match was okay. This match, it could have ended there. It was good. It was fine. It was quick. It got its job done. What I didn't like is this match carried over into the media scrum. With in the media scrum at the end of the night, Sting is there talking, wearing his Joker-like painmaker type paints on his face. Sting comments on his retirement possibly, is talking, and it says how nothing's on his mind soon. But ultimately, we get Chris Jericho interrupting the media scrum and yelling at the audience there, yelling at Sting, saying he wants more of them. And I thought it came across very cheesy. So I get that you want to forward matches into the next night, but we're not eight years old anymore. And you can tell when somebody's kind of faking their way through that session. 
I like my media scrums to be more legit. I like them to be more like an NFL or an NBA media scrum. If people get mad for real, let them get mad. I'm okay with people getting mad. I was okay with the all-out media scrum and some legit anchor. The only person I think can get away with staying in character a little bit is like MJF. And I'm okay with guys staying in character if they're the ones being interviewed. But I don't like interruptions and it turning into backstage segments. That's my only criticism on the night. Now let's get to our main event. And was this valuable? Was this valuable to overstep the AEW championship? I'm going to say yes. Brian Danielson, the American Dragon versus Kazuchika Okada. And here's what we get. Right away, we get the final countdown. Brian Danielson coming out to the final countdown. I got chills watching that. We're getting a dream match here. And we're getting two guys that can still go. So these guys are grappling. They're dragging back and forth in the ring. They each get in the ring. There's a lot of crowd behind this one. Um, the crowd was a little bit... I don't want to call them dead. I want to say they were focused more at the end of the night. I think it was a four to five hour show if you count the buy-in. That's a long time to sit in those seats, so I don't blame the crowd for being a little dead or tired. But I also do think they were into this match enough too. So we get some knees on the mat, into the bicep, working the arm, wrenching on the back of the arm, but Okada gets to the ropes and he forces a break. American Dragon pulls him into the ring and in overhead elbows. There's a uh, mutilation, a cattle mutilation, basically, uh, shifting into a seatbelt pin for a one and a two. Uh, kicks and chops in the corner. Okada um, gets up and walks into them, uh, welcoming the chest kicks and is screaming in Danielson's face. We get a whip reversal, a boot up on the charge, a flapjack from Okada, and both men are down and out. There's a whip reverse, a slide away, boot blast with Brian. Uh, elbows drop kick sends Danielson to the floor. Following that after a crossbody over the barricade and the Raymaker hangs out in the crowd for just a little bit just to get some, you know, a rub there. Um, money clip applied. Danielson gets into the corner to break a reverse neck breaker, but nope, nope, not gonna happen. There's up top, Brian's over his shoulder. There's a drop kick. Trading slots, Danielson's looking for a takedown later on. And Okada fights out of the shotgun drop kick into the ropes. We get us some fireman's carry, some chain wrestling. We get a German suplex, running corner drop kicks. Okada cuts him off with one of his own. And we get some other drop kicks back and forth. Fast forward a little bit more. The Raymaker hits a tombstone pile driver on the ramp on the outside. They're fighting out there. The elbow drop. Top. Flush this time. And the Raymaker pose. Um, and then basically trying to fall in and get Brian to his feet. Referee calls for the ringside doctor. Danielson has a scary moment where he starts convulsing. You, you can tell he hurt something that night. I believe it looked like his arm. But uh, there's a point in given, you know, the Daniel Bryan history of injury, you know, we wanted to be careful here. So, uh, you know, I, I know it was probably all story, but they definitely told a good story. It did make me concerned and it was well played. So then we go on. Daniel Bryan 
Brian Danielson's fine in this case. The American Dragon kicks out um, later on, and then they get into a wrist clutch. Okada's back on his feet. A short-armed lariat knocks Danielson down. Duck another Rainmaker attempt. Sidesteps a move. Counters the Rainmaker. Armbar takedown into the Omoplata in a one-armed LaBelle lock attempt. Okada fighting as Brian gets his fingers clasped, pivoting and reaching. Danielson reaches back. We're changing up, and we use his legs to trap the far arm in a modified Rings of Saturn style match. We get a cross face strikes from the American Dragon, trapping the arm, and it is over. Okada loses by submission to the American Dragon, Brian Danielson, in the main event of Forbidden Door 2023. Danielson is celebrating in the ring on the turnbuckles and the final countdown is playing through the arena. It was a great match. I don't think it topped the best five diamond match of the night, but this one was really good. I enjoyed the presentation. I enjoyed that what we got to see with these legends. And I will say Forbidden Door got it right with this being a true main event. It kind of makes up for Double or Nothing a month ago. Um, I'll talk about that here in a minute. But what I want to say is thank you, Daniel, Brian's, or Brian Danielson and Okada for giving us this match. It was enjoyable. And you know what? You guys made Forbidden Door special. You were one of the guys that helped do that. So I do want to talk about my final thoughts. So, Forbidden Door. Nights like these are special when you can do cross-promotion in the wrestling world with two legit separate companies. We've got New Japan Pro Wrestling and AEW, and this relationship works well. They respect each other. They do good work. Not one group looks stronger than the other. They all look pretty good. I would like to see this show happen in Japan in the Tokyo Dome sometime. And I would like to see more, you know, kind of that work in the future. But Forbidden Door is going to be one of my favorite pay-per-views that I'm going to look forward to every year. And this year was actually maybe a little bit of an upgrade from last year. We did run into some injuries last year. However, we got some great moments last year as well. But I still say that this was a stream upgrade for AEW. It makes me wonder if AEW was too focused on Forbidden Door last month at Double or Nothing because that was one of my worst Double or Nothings I've ever seen. So, um, it was definitely, it might be my worst Double or Nothing of all time. But, they at least got it right tonight. They gave us some good action. So, some complaints of these shows that I hear are the lengths of them. I'm not worried about that. Guys, this is the pay-per-view model versus the PLE WWE model. When you're on Peacock, in the PLE model, you're going to have a little shorter shows unless it's Mania. But if you're paying a lot of money to watch these shows, you got to expect your bang for your buck. And Tony Khan knows how to deliver on that. I like to watch them in the movie theaters with my friends. It's a great time for us to get together for AEW Land just to kind of talk and enjoy other fans in the theater. Try it out sometime. It's fun. Will Ospreay, Kenny Omega showed them all the Japanese 
and all the Americans what that Japanese wrestling is about. And it's moments like these that really do make Forbidden Door feel special with these kind of cross-promotion events like I mentioned. Well, guys, those are my results and my final thoughts. If you got anything, let me know in the comment below. But as always, I'm going to head out of here. Like, share, subscribe. Thanks for watching and supporting. I appreciate the heck out of you guys. It's not goodbye. It's game over.